Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today, I bring you Michael O'Brien. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose, and I have confidence in my plan, and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. Michael is a sales and marketing executive business coach who helps leaders slay their internal feelings of worry and doubt so they can achieve complete success for themselves and their teams. Before starting his executive coaching firm, Peloton Coaching and Consulting, Michael spent over two decades in the pharmaceutical and bio industry in roles that ranged from sales to marketing to executive leadership. Now, Michael helps other business executives and entrepreneurs realize their potential by changing the conversations they have with others and themselves. He's also the author of the bestseller, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows. And as usual for the listener, if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode or if you hear something you like but you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of the Action Plan PDF Action Plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Michael, welcome to the show. Jim, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. So let's uh, let's just start with this. Give us a background, maybe a 30,000-foot view of maybe where you grew up and, and kind of how you got from there to here. Absolutely. So I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I was tired of the winter's gym. So I wanted to go I wanted to go to school somewhere a little bit warmer. So I headed down to your neck of the woods in Virginia, went to the great university, James Madison University. Wait a second. Um, Wait a second. So, you know, Virginia was the great university. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I know. Like UVA is the University of Virginia, but for all those Ohio State fans, but JMU, you know, I know JMU is good. It's good. It's they say just JMU stands for just miss UVA. Yes, I don't know yes, if I, I should. Maybe I should edit that out. Is that the wrong thing to say? In the, no, on the no, podcast? it's okay. Yeah, okay. Like you know, we don't. We're, we're good with our own identity. I'm just kidding. JMU is an awesome I, school. Actually, no, no, no. And hey, UVA is UVA is a great school. And actually, the whole Commonwealth has some wonderful universities yeah, with William place. and Mary and Vatech and yeah. 
University of Richmond. So from th- from there, I went to D.C. and I met my wife. I got my first gig. And then the job took us up to New Jersey, a place that I never thought we'd move to, but we did. And we went. We thought we were going to be up here for a couple of years. And it's been 20. You know, the, the remarkable thing about kids is that they get older. And then you might have another one. And I know you, you know, you're busy with that. You got four. I only have two. Yeah. And so we've been up here in New Jersey uh, ever since uh, we moved up here. And my, my background, as you mentioned in the bio, was all sort of traditional sales and marketing roles from being a sales rep to being an executive. And now current day, I try to help, I try to help other leaders out there, uh, as I like to say, sort of avoid their SUV, which I know we're going to get into here in a bit, <laughs> uh, and just really live live a life that's wealthy from the inside out. So have a great career, have all the things that a great career provides, but making sure, too, that we're feeding ourselves internally with gratitude and joy and happiness. And for me, that's that's a pretty cool definition of complete success. Yes, I love that. And well, let's let's dive into that too here at some point. But but let's go back to uh, I, I gave I did a little bit of foreshadowing in the bio mentioned Peloton and uh, your consulting firm and uh, and then you mentioned avoiding your SUV moment. Tell us about that. Yeah. So as you mentioned in the bio, so July eleventh, two thousand one was my last bad day. So I. I was going out to New Mexico, not Mexico, but New Mexico for a pretty traditional company team building offsite. We were several miles north of Albuquerque and I decided to bring my bike because I had this and I still do. I have this big goal of riding, riding my bike in every one of the 50 states. And so I decided, hey, why not bring your bike? You get to ride in New Mexico, get a little exercise before they try to kill you with PowerPoint in between the <laughs> Monday to Friday. Right. Because those offsites. Um, seem to seem to get the best of us in terms of like sitting in a conference room in the middle of wherever we might be sitting. And on that morning of July 11th, I was doing some laps around the hotel, like out the back service road, up the main drag was about a two mile loop. And on the fourth lap, it came around the bend and a white SUV was fully in my lane, Jim, like, like, the whole thing, like there wasn't any tires on the other side. It was wow. coming right Jeez. at me. The police uh, estimated, based on how far my Ironman watch flew off of me <laughs> after the impact wow. and the skid marks of the truck, he was going about forty miles an hour. And wow. I remember almost everything about that morning, Jim. Like the sound of me hitting the grill into the windshield. I went, broke a hole in it. The screech of his brakes and the thud I made as I came off of off of his truck to the asphalt below so like as i share this with you like the all the feelings come back and so i remember all of that of course your listeners will you know certainly conclude well you certainly got knocked unconscious with that and i i I did a few minutes later when the emts arrived arrived i regained my consciousness and then I asked a question that only another cyclist can really appreciate. I asked them, hey, how's my bike? <laughs> and, uh, and they looked at me and I think they probably were like thinking like, well, we should check this guy out for a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> sure. right? And I was just trying to, you know, use a little humor to cut the tension uh, in the in the situation because I knew I was I knew I was in a, a world of hurt, just the thought of moving hurt. But I also knew that 
my my life was sort of in balance and not and I didn't know at the time like how badly I I actually was hurt. I just knew based on how they were reacting that things were not good. And that's when I just started willing myself not to fall asleep because I felt if I didn't fall asleep, I could I could uh, have some control over the situation. As crazy as that sounds. So what what kind of injuries did you sustain? Well, so I broke a whole bunch of everything, but the big the big major injury was when I went into the SUV, when I went into that Ford Explorer, my left femur shattered. And when the left femur wow. shattered, a piece of bone lacerated my femoral artery. Oh, holy mackerel. So what I didn't know when I was lying there was I was bleeding out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. The doctors later told my wife, they said, Lynn, had Michael been 10 years older or not in shape, he probably would not have made it to the hospital. Uh, so my wife often likes to say at like dinner parties, like when she's sharing the story, she's like, that bike, you know, nearly killed him, but the bike saved his life. <laughs> Being an athlete, I had enough, you know, circulation, you know, systems or whatever you want to call it. So I, I could... I could handle the, the injury, but, but barely. The first surgery took about 12 to 11 hours, and I needed 34 units of blood product that wow. day. Yeah. Wow. So how did that change things for you? That was your, you have this concept of your last bad day and making your last bad day your best day. Yeah, so it was, you know, and it didn't turn into my best day right away. So before the accident, I was... I was sort of going through life in a way that I thought society wanted me to go through life. I was sort of playing by the rules, you know, get through high school, go to college, get a de degree, uh, get a gig, marry a girl, have some kids, try to climb up the corporate ladder. So as we talk about purpose and finding your mission or passion, all that, I, I wasn't really playing that game. I was doing a uh, sort of a, a performing a life that was sort of do have be like do work your tail off have stuff all those material possessions and then then finally as a conclusion you'd be happy and I was chasing happiness so as they put me on the helicopter the medevac to take me to the trauma center in Albuquerque I promised myself if you live Michael you got to change your life you got to stop chasing happiness and so when I came out of the ICU the doctors started to share more about the accident. The driver had a revoked license. They told me my life was going to be a life of dependencies, more surgeries, limitations. And I went, Jim, really dark. And I was revengeful and bitter. Yeah. And I sort of just stuck, I was sort of stuck in that stew for a long time. And then as they brought me back to New Jersey to the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, where they took Christopher Reeves, who I consider the original Superman after yeah. his equestrian event. And I had a moment during a rehab session where I realized, well, if I'm going to be the person that I want to be, letting go of all the comparison stuff I was doing, because I was trying to compare myself to everyone else around me, which is not healthy. Um, I decided I was just going to be the best version of who I could be. And I knew then I had to shift my mindset. I had to stop looking at all the things I didn't have and couldn't do anymore and find gratitude in my life so I could focus in on the things I could do and I still had. And then that that was sort of the, uh, the shift, if you will, or the light switch, if you will, 
that allowed me to start seeing things differently so I could take different action. How do you teach that and how do you share that? And how does the listener who says, okay, I don't want to have to go, you know, run head on into a, an SUV <laughs> uh, on a bicycle to, to have that epiphany? Um, how, how, do you, how do we get the listener, and, and I benefit from this myself, to really to switch that around from, from do, have, be to, to, to the opposite, right? Be, do, be, have. Have, yeah. Right? So yeah. That, and that, was, that was the real switch I made, sort of the, the be, do, have, and that was the, yeah, the flipping the script. And so to all your listeners, I don't want you to hit your SUV either, right? So that's, that's one of the reasons why you did I think that for I, us, yeah. Yeah, I think I've been there, done that, right? So we, so cross that off of all of our to-do lists. You know, I went through enough pain and suffering for a, a whole bunch of people. So what I believe is that my accident gave me like one major a pause button to sort of pause, take a deep breath and really reflect on how I was living my life. Now, if you met me back then, life wasn't bad. It just was, I was pouring my stress inside and I wasn't mindful or intentional about how I was living my life or growing my career. And so I don't think you need a big accident like I had to make change happen in your life. If you can bring a level of awareness into your life. I think what, if I go back and look at my life prior to my last bad day, I had moments where I just blew past them. Uh, moments of awareness that's, you know, would suggest coming from the universe or wherever it comes from, hey, Michael, you're not necessarily living the life that you could live. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 I'm too busy. I got stuff to do. I'm, you know, I'm doing so I can have, right? I'll worry about the B later. So what I realized along the way with this big pause button that the accident really was is to connect with with more awareness, to truly value the pause button. So I developed a little um, acronym that I call uh, grabbing a PBR, which does not stand for Paps Blue Ribbon, <laughs> um, which is the first thing people think of. But it, it stands for pause, breathe, and reflect. I think it's so important to have moments in our in our lives during our days where we just pause, take you know, connect with our breath, and reflect midway the midway point of the day, at the end of the day, to just see like how how did we show up today? How do we want to show up tomorrow? Who's coming into our lives? Why are they coming into our lives? And, and having much more awareness. And I think with awareness, we can get to a higher level of acceptance, which is not about tolerating, but just accepting what is as is. So then we can take action that's much more powerful. We can learn from our failures. We can learn from our hiccups. But we only can get there if we have awareness and acceptance. Yeah. And so for me, that was like the big, like, aha, like, wow. Like, cause I wasn't living my life that way. I was, you know, in today's terms, it's all like, got to hustle and grind, got to hustle and grind. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta post, you gotta share, you gotta like, you gotta do this. You gotta, it, it's this, this doing, you know, all for the, the having and without enough intentionality or mindfulness. And so for me, the accident really helped me understand that. Now, you know, it was a violent message. And I don't think, you know, people need to, to get the message the same way I did. And so one of the 
again, it's one of the reasons why I think I lived that day because people said, hey, you live for a reason. And I think one of them is to share this story with folks so they can start valuing the pause in their life so they can have more awareness and acceptance. And for any longtime listener, they're probably, they probably have a little smirk on their face right now because they know exactly what I'm going to say next. And it's this, Michael, is that, you know, whenever I ask, whenever I ask the, you know, my guests, you know, what are the, what are those things that make you successful that have made you successful and habits that have made you successful? It's never doing the thing, right? It's never doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's always some version of, of being first, right? Of, of actually evaluating and, and hitting the pause button. And, you know, I love PBR, pause, breathe, reflect. And what I talk about is, is a productive pause. And a productive oh, pause yeah. is this. It's a, it. it's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And that's what we're all after is that clarity of action and peace of mind. That does not come from grinding and hustling and clicking and liking and doing. It comes from PBR. It comes from pause breathe, reflect. It comes from a productive pause. It comes from stopping and evaluating and saying, what am I do- you know, what's working, what's not working, or what's most important here, or what's most important now. And it may not be finishing the report. It may be going to work out. It may be getting home to your family. It may be something completely different than what you might do if your head was just down and you're grinding forward. And that, oh, that's an yeah. important, important message for people to understand. Absolutely, Jim. And, uh, you know, knowing, obviously, you're an athlete and uh, and I'm an athlete if, if we think cyclists are athletes. So if I, I've had this debate and I'm uh, – so people – Really? Joke, people like, debate well, that? Well, know. well we, we, you know, we have like those bro debates about like which athlete is a better athlete, right? So, um, sure. But, you know, so it's it's all it's all fun and fun and games. But if, if we took like a mentality in athletics that we were just going to like hustle and grind – all our all of our workouts all the time. Mm. Well, that's when we get injured. That's when we burn out. We we want to work out with you and your wrestling, with me and my cycling, or any other sport out there that the listener happens to do, is that there are moments of intensity and focus where we may be hustling, but there are also moments of recovery. So the body can restore itself, the mind can restore itself. And that allows us to become stronger tomorrow than we are today. And I think there's a beautiful lesson in sport that we can take into our lives and our careers. But oftentimes, you know, we we get we get on this like busy bandwagon, especially at work. We're like, oh, we're so busy and we're trying to juggle too many things and we're not being reflective enough in terms of how we're showing up within our careers or within our lives. You know, it's interesting because right now, Michael, I would say I'm in this, in this period where I feel like I'm just really busy. I've got just a lot of balls in the air right now. And I've not done enough of hitting the pause button in recent months. Um, some of these things were just sort of some some personal things in my life. And for the, the listener, you know, in episode 178, I talked about losing my brother-in-law. Um, and, and so that obviously changed some things for a while and put a lot on my plate. And I couldn't really hit the pause button there. Um, but... Um, you know, I, I do notice that I can get away from doing the pause and I start getting into grind mode. And, and that's great. You get a lot done. But I always realize whenever I finally go, Jim, just just stop. Just stop and pause and plan and journal, meditate, 
And whenever I do those things, I always find a new, a new clarity that I'm like, gosh, thank goodness I did stop because I was digging my hole here. And while it wasn't very far off, I just need to move my shovel just uh, you know a few inches over this way. And now I'm going to work more effectively and more efficiently and, and actually get more done in less time. And we just, and, and I'm going to work on the right things, right? And Sometimes it's putting down your shovel and picking up a, a hammer, right? It's 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 doing something different, and I always find value in hitting that pause button, even when I go, yeah, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I've got to, I've got to go go go. Whenever I do find that discipline and hit the pause button and evaluate and have a a session with my coach or like I said, meditation or journaling or, or prayer or or whatever the case might be, I gain I gain so much value. So I encourage the listener to, to consider that and, and really see and understand the value of hitting the pause button and, and doing some of that reflection yourself. And so, Michael, I, I want to ask you this. I know you work primarily with leaders. What do you see as the number one thing holding leaders back? Is there a commonality or common theme that you see in the leaders you work with? Yes. Great question, Jim. It would be storytelling. Um, and not necessarily the storytelling that we think of, like when we, you know, because nowadays there's a lot about, hey, storytelling and storytell, you know, storytelling about your brand, right? And the hero's journey and all all those wonderful stories. And those are fantastic, right? Some of the the best movies all follow the hero's journey. And then, you know, for for branding for companies, especially entrepreneurs, we we hear about storyboard and companies like that that help us, you know, tell the story of our company and how we help our clients. Yeah. What I'm talking about is the stories that we make up in our head. So the inner critic, the self-narrative, when we only see a glimpse or maybe just the tip of the iceberg um, uh, on a particular challenge or maybe even a particular opportunity where we see our team members maybe from a distance and we see that tip of the iceberg and then we start to judge and then we start to make up a story. I call it MSUing, making stuff up. Oh. Um, you can you can uh, switch the S and create a different word if you want to do that to, with some <laughs> emphasis, right? But there's just like an iceberg. There's there's all the wonderful part of the iceberg is below the water surface. So like beliefs and uh, values and vision and emotion and all that good stuff. We tend not to see it, but we can see it if leaders lean in and do the emotional work, right? Because most of our jobs nowadays, we're, we're not laying down track and we ain't digging ditches. Yeah. We're doing emotional labor, the emotional labor where there's a connection w with each other. So we hear and see each other. So we, we can build a sense of belonging. But with that, as we dive a little bit deeper, we can understand a little bit better, maybe a little bit more fully why someone shows up the way they show up. So we all have that self-doubt, you know, that we're not good enough. You know, when it's time to take that shot or it's that time to innovate, we're like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? So we have that personally. That's a story in our head that doesn't serve us. But we also, as leaders, we tend to make up stories about the people we see, the people that we might work with, our colleagues. And sometimes those stories are, you know, we tell ourselves these stories to as a way to protect ourselves, right? The whole uh, friend, foe, fight, flight, that type of reaction. But it's it, it serves as a wedge, right? So we don't necessarily build the type of connection that we can build. So I try going back to awareness and the value of pausing. 
it, when I work with my leaders, we try to uncover what stories they're making up, the stories in their own head, uh, the conversation that they're having with themselves, if you will. So what kind, and, of, what kind of stories might they, they, they make up about somebody else? Like you mentioned, they, you know, they'll, you know, sometimes we'll find ourselves making up a story about somebody else. Like what, what do you mean by that? Well, so uh, as an example, I was just having this conversation with someone earlier this morning where they're like, yeah, I don't know if it's will or skill. Like I look at my team and they're not just, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. Right. So it's a very sort of power over type of mentality, right. Highly directive and they're not doing it. So I think, I, I just don't think they care. Like they, like, I think they care, but then they, they have that behavior and I don't think they care. They're, they're not bought in. Like I'm bought in, like I'm committed. Why aren't they committed? And so there's, there's this wonderful tale the leader is crafting, you know, it's not wonderful in terms of like driving results, but it's, it's wonderful in terms of complexity and like, you know, um, theatrics, but in order to really diagnose like, Hey, what's happening, right? So is maybe it is skill. Maybe there's someone, the person on his team just doesn't have all the tools in the toolbox. So as a leader, our job is to work with them to help them build skill. So, you know, sort of in, um, craft mastery, if you will. But on the other side, it could be, will. it could be things around self mastery. Maybe their inner critic or their self narrative is limiting their potential, in the moment, they don't want to take that shot. And so, too, as a leader, hey, it's our job to sit with them and say, hey, you know what? I really care about your success, but I see that you're not necessarily showing up in the way that you could. And love to sit down and talk to you about that. And how can I support you here? As opposed to, from a distance, judging it and coming up with a story. Because that story, then, is is influencing his energy or her energy and how they communicate outwardly yeah, or to, to their team members. And we, we can come up with, you know, we're smart enough to come up with the right words, but people are also smart enough to know like, Hey, words do matter, but tone, energy, body language, they also communicate a lot and people are paying attention to that. So that's just one example. And, and I just want to follow that up for the listener and say, you know, you know, Michael could probably sit off, sit here and, and rattle off, you know, three to five tactics. Here's the words that you say, or here are the things that you do when your team is underperforming or not bought in in the, in the, at the level that you are, right? And those may or may not work for you, but it's this mindset shift that is deeper. And, and I know that's not what, always what you want to hear, right? Uh, mindset shift. Just give me the, give me the words I need to say. Tell me the exact things that I need to do. Step one, two, and three. And then I show up on Monday morning and they are all like there before I am and fired up and ready to go, right? And that's, 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 that kind of stuff happens whenever you do the mindset shift, whenever you do this deeper work that is, yeah, it's harder. It takes more time, but it, it drives more results. When you do that foundational work of changing your mindset, your attitude, and that impacts your, your body language. And you want to, if you want to know the exact words you're supposed to say, you don't need to know the words. You need to understand the mindset because when you shift your mindset, the words just flow. And we've all been in that situation where we're in the zone emotionally and, and, and the words just come out, right? And the right words come out. And, and that, and that, that's where that, that's the place. That's the place you want to be. And 
you know, before I get on these podcasts and before I get on my coaching calls with my clients, I have to hit the pause button for myself and, and put myself in the right mindset. Because if I don't go into that in the right mindset, uh, it, the, the flow isn't there, the energy isn't there, and, and it just doesn't work as well, right? But whenever I pause and I get myself into the right mindset, the right words just come. And, and that's the case whether you're a leader in, in, as an entrepreneur or, or a manager in a company or you're a teacher or you're a parent or, or anything else where you're dealing with people. Does that, I mean, does that, does that make sense? I mean, Michael, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and feedback on that. It totally, Jim. I, I just, you know, I was like gobbling up what you were saying. I was like, this is awesome. Like, so, so totally spot on. And I, and I want to touch on one thing you said. So the whole belief that it takes longer, right? Cause it does feel like it takes longer. It's just easier as a leader, just tell people what to do. Right. And you know, this as a parent, when our kids are really young, we can just tell them what to do. But then something happens around the age of 12 or 13 that 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 MO yeah, just that figuring approach, that out now. I got a 13 yeah, year old. You just turned 13. <laughs> that doesn't work. The It doesn't work as well as it once did. So, yes, it may feel like it takes more time upstream. But when we can sit with our team members and and we come at it and with them with curiosity to find out, hey, what's what what's working, what's not what's inside of you? Right. How can we like light that fire, stoke that fire, however you want to say it. But that curiosity leads to better questions. It can lead to empathy, courage, vulnerability and, of course, downstream trust. So, yeah, upstream having these conversations does take a little bit more time. But downstream, oh, gosh, it saves us so much more time. Yeah. It's it's, It's the drama that we avoid. And now we can level up much faster. Um, and that's, that's the real benefit of it. Yeah. And I want to shift the conversation a little bit, Michael, and, and talk about failure because, you know, we see a guy like you who has created a lot of success. You're an entrepreneur, started your business. You, you, you made that shift from do have be to be do have. And, and, you know, you work with these amazing leaders, you have a best-selling memoir. Can you tell us about a time where you failed? A time where you failed and, and as a result, you felt that doubt and that hopelessness that comes along with failure? Oh, certainly. We how, Like, how long do we have? Is this like a, is it a half-day show? So, <laughs> yeah, it's a series. Uh, you know, it, it'll be a, a We can do a series on yours. So, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. So one of the things I love about your TED Talk and, you know, when you talk about you know, why you teach your kids to fail in the examples that you use, like with Watson and Abraham Lincoln and Marie Curie and Michael Jordan, is that they were taking on risk. And some of the risks that they took on didn't pan out the way they wanted to. And as opposed to when we fail, when we're not prepared, right? So sometimes when we don't prep, when we don't put in the work and we're not, we're not prepared for the moment, there's failure and there's some great, beautiful lessons there. But the examples that you shared in your TEDx talk, I think were amazing because it, it speaks about, you know, taking that shot, you know, there's risk involved in being the one shooting it at the buzzer. There's risk involved in terms of like looking for new science or pursuing new degrees like Lincoln or taking a shot that he did during his presidency. So, you know, for me, when I think about you know, failure when I took a risk, it goes back to sort of my corporate days. I was a, 
you know, my team was as big as a thousand at that moment in time. And I decided to come up with a new incentive compensation plan that was going to turn incentive compensation on its head uh, within our industry. And I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had prepped. I thought I had enough buy-in and I was missing a key piece. I was missing a key piece that was all about my colleagues at the executive level. And many of them had very traditional views of incentive incentive compensation. And when some team members, my reps, that that is, were struggling with the change, they started listening to some of the people that were struggling with the change. And it created, you know, it created a big problem for me. And that and it made it harder to move this initiative going forward. Again, I thought I had it. Jim, all figured out. I'm going, this is going to be great. There's going to be glory. People are going to be like, this is like awesome, Michael. Like, like you saved us from in- incentive compensation, like, you know, purgatory. It's like, because um, like any rep out there knows that incentive comp is, is so important to how you live your life. But incentive comp is sometimes a big mystery. So, yeah, I thought I had it all figured out. And what I realized is I, I didn't have enough support with my colleagues. Mm. I took their support for granted because I was one of them. I thought, well, we're just going to be, you know, a brand of a, a band of brothers and a few women, which is another topic as far as diversity in corporate America, but that's for another show. Yeah. And and I I didn't I didn't have it with certain members of that executive committee. And it was it was almost like we were trying to pedal using a cycling metaphor or analogy, pedaling into a massive headwind. And yeah. as a result, the program lost its momentum and we went back to a very traditional approach. But through failure, through that, I, I learned a valuable lesson of one, not taking things for granted, but making sure that we have support um, you know, sort of around the circle. I had support from my team, I had support with my sales leaders, but I didn't have enough executive support or just support all around in my Peloton. And it was a really, it was a really good lesson of, you know, one, again, not taking things for granted. Uh, check your ego, Michael, right? Cause I, there was a little bit of ego driving this whole ship and also taking the time upstream to gain the support uh, that, is needed with any type of change initiative. And so for me, that was a a highly valuable lesson and uh, a little bit of an ego, (laughs) ego bruise (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it's only through those, excuse me, it's only through those kinds of experiences where you, where you learn and, and you grow as an executive, as a leader. And those are the kind of things that make you a great coach. Now, um, those kinds of experiences and those, those risks, this like Michael Jordan or Abraham Lincoln or Marie Curie, et cetera. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Michael. And can no we, can, can you offer an action item? So for the listener who is bought in and said, okay, I'm ready to go. I get it. I believe it. Uh, let's take this to the next level. Let me, what, what do I do? What, what's one action item or, or multiple action items that the listener can take in, let's say, the next 24 to 48 hours to really start moving towards their goals? So I'll give you a, a couple. So one I've already mentioned is to grab a PBR throughout the day. And, and the, 
these PBRs are great in between meetings, uh, before you have to give your presentation, before a big pitch. Just any, <laughs> there's, any, certain, any, there's two different kinds of PBRs, so make sure you're thinking about yeah, the right yeah, one. The, but yeah, the right pot, before a yeah. presentation, a, you know, slam a yeah. PBR, it might yeah, yeah. You don't want to like, loosen you know, the nerves a little bit. too short. Yeah, it's <laughs> too short to drink bad beer, right? No, I'm talking about the pause, breathe, and reflect, right? So, sure. that, you know, so many people. Um, whether you're an entrepreneur in corporate America, are going from meeting to meeting to meeting, and we're just rolling into the next meeting. So grabbing a PBR, the pause, breathe, and reflect kind, can help us set our intentions for the next meeting so we can be present there. So I always encourage leaders to do that. Uh, the second thing I would recommend is somewhere throughout your day, whether it's in the morning or maybe you bookend it at night before your head hits the pillow, is spend a few moments in gratitude so you can frame out your day. Uh, the human brain, the human being is hardwired to pay attention more to our threats than the good things in the world. So this gives us a chance to spend a few moments in gratitude and tie it back into why we are grateful for these moments. And we can be grateful for the micro moments to the macro and even our struggles. But I, I, I do believe that having five minutes, even maybe 10 minutes at the end of the day can really help out, help frame out our days. Yeah. I, you so, know, you, you mentioned something in a video that I saw of yours where you said, remember yesterday when you wanted everything that you have today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a good point. And, and so I, I, I'm a big believer in, in gratitude. And, and the final thing is don't wait for perfect. So, you know, I know mm, people yeah. hear this all the time, but I don't care if you're a leader within a corporate environment or an entrepreneur and you're working on trying to create content is put yourself out there, raise your hand, ask that question, um, sh you know, show up in the service of others, but just start because you know, the, the thing that the, every one of us is doing, I'm going to make a big, you know, sweeping generalization, but the listeners that belong to your, to your Peloton gym are good people and are doing great work. And I just want to encourage them to take advantage of the moment and share, share their goodness, sh share their purpose, share their passion with those around them. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, because you know, really who's the judge of perfect anyway, just once we can put ourselves out there and then we can make iterations upon iterations and it gets better. You know, when I look at the first few things I did in terms of like a blog or a video, when I left corporate America and became a coach, like they're cringeworthy. I'm like, Oh God, yeah. you know? Um, but you know, I kept on pedaling. And so, and you kept on working on it. And so you put in work today and that's going to make tomorrow better. And then when you wake up the next day, you work hard that day and that's going to make that next day better. And then all of a sudden we're stringing together a few wonderful days and a few wonderful days turns into weeks and months and then years. And really for me, gratitude along with this mentality has allowed me to make my last bad day, my last bad day. Yeah, man. And, what a Great yeah. point. You know, the, I think it's Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, who said, if you're not embarrassed by your first iteration, you launched too late. And you can, 
you can replicate that and, and apply that to any other area of your life too. So, so take action, move forward, take a risk, raise your hand, volunteer, put yourself out there. So great message, Michael. Thank you so much. No problem. And can you tell the listener where we can, where they can find you, follow you, um, learn more about you, buy your book, et cetera? Absolutely. So the best place to start is my website, which is michaelobrienshift.com. And there, there's a link to Amazon because Jeff Bezos is selling my book. <laughs> uh, uh, there's also a chance to get an autographed copy. And one thing about Shift that I just want to share with your listeners is that all the proceeds go to charity. Since I lost my mobility for a while during my recovery, I wanted to give back to a cause that really promoted mobility. Because I think mobility, which we take for granted here in the in the West and the States, you know, not everyone has the type of mobility that we have. And World Bicycle Relief works with girls in countries like Kenya and Malawi, and they give them a bicycle. And through and with that bicycle, they can conquer the the challenge of distance. You know, all, again, all through sort of the power of mobility. So every t- every time a copy of Shift is sold and the reader reads it. My hope is that they get a pearl or two that will hope, hopefully will change their lives. But by buying a copy of Shift, it goes to buying another bicycle for someone, someone halfway around this wonderful planet of ours, and it changes her life. And um, you can read definitely more about World Bicycle Relief and Shift on my website. But that's a, a good place to start. And then of course, I'm on all the social media platforms that, you know, all the kids tell me I need to be on. <laughs> Excellent. And for the listener, of course, I will have all those links in the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action to grab your free PDF copy of the action plan. Michael, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Thank you, Jim. And to your listeners, I hope you guys got a good pearl or two out of it. And again, thank you, Jim, for having me on. And I just I just really appreciate all the wonderful things you're doing. Well, likewise. And thank you, Michael. And for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. 